I grew up watching the Steve Jobs uh, films and stuff like that, and I was obsessed with that. So like I had um, those kind of mentors, uh, even though I didn't know them in person, like the you know film mentors, and um, it was just really inspiring. I was like, that's kind of the life I want to live. I have one go at this, you know, so I might as well just give it my all and try to do something cool. And like I knew I didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, just get by and just pay the bills and stuff like that. Like I really wanted to like retire. One, two, All right, welcome, y'all. We have Austin Ekman with us. Very happy about that. He's got a fascinating founder journey that I'm so excited to dive into. So first of all, he's only 25 years old, young, I should say. (laughs) Uh, He started coding at 12 years old. He self-describes as a robotics nerd turned entrepreneur. Today, he teaches circuits, coding, and basic robotics to students around the world using storytelling plus open source parts via inventor.io, which he started four and a half years ago with only $2,000 in his bank account. This was practically his life savings, and he figured he might as well give it a shot. He could always go back to working in the factory. So I'm really excited to dive in and get to know more about your founder journey, Austin. I know that he also shared that he's been really tweaking and figuring out product market fit and just recently hit that. And afterward, now they're doing 5 million plus in revenue. So going to be really interesting as well to learn about their journey to product market fit. So happy to have you. Welcome, welcome, Austin. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was a solid intro. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So I want to start now. I've given your intro. I want to invite you to tell us about who is Austin in your own words. I just would say like probably a maker at heart. Um, I just always kind of have a project I'm working on or two and uh, dive deep into that. But yeah, it's, you know, loving, loving that. Love that. A maker at heart. And tell me a little bit about growing up. What do you think contributed to that? Also, where did you grow up? Yeah. Or what was your environment like? So I grew up in a little farm town in Michigan uh, known as Pinckney, mm-hmm. Michigan. Um, so I was really blessed to grow up there because we had a, an amazing robotics program at our school. And I thought like everyone had access to this kind of stuff, but really, you know, they don't. So, um, we had like these fanic robots and stuff like that, but they were essentially a four-year course and they gave me like full access to play around with these robots and stuff like that. So growing up, I had this, um, playground that I could essentially, you know, build these robotic setups and, and, uh, yeah, that gave me so much. Uh, you know, looking back on it. So that's kind of what I wanted to recreate with inventors, giving that ability for people at home to kind of access to this technology and the education. And Austin, do you still live in Pinckney or where are you now? So I live in Florida now. I, I moved to where it's from. Oh, look at you. You went You went to get some of the heat. Well, that's fascinating because so my brother, my older brother went to University of Michigan yep. in Arbor, met his wife there, and she has family in Pinckney. Wow. And I've been to Pinckney many times <laughs> and they're actually raising their kids in an Arbor. And so it's very close by. Yep. So I'm very familiar with the area. And uh, that's so funny. And yes, it gets cold sometimes, oh, right? Yeah. Like oh, sometimes yeah. in the winter, <laughs> sometimes. So I totally understand you go to Florida. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I think he puts his, my brother's kids are in, he tries to do, they try to do robotics and like all sorts of things. And I think that area has amazing education in that front. Yeah. So very cool. The teachers were great too. They kind of let you just do whatever. Like if you, you know, kind of had a path for yourself, they'd let you go and, um, 
you know, I kind of made my own courses up as well. And they were very supportive of that. So I think that's one of the biggest things shaping my childhood. Um, and then as well, just being at home, my dad was a computer nerd mm. as well. So we always had, I always had access to that stuff and it really inspired me at a young age to start like learning it. So you started at 12 years old mm -hmm. coding and tell us where did that take you through from then to starting Inventor? Yeah. So I thought it was going to be some quick, you know, young prodigy thing, but I really just kind of was following YouTube tutorials to like build things at home and my own like Java applications and stuff like that. So it wasn't until like a few years later that I was, you know, had opportunities to kind of do my first entrepreneurial thing, which is like programming for factories. Um, just And when was that? Like a few years later? I had to be 14, like 15, 15 or 16 and I okay. spent the money on my first car. So like that's how I was able to get like, oh, okay. it was like a $2,000 car, <laughs> but it was, it was great. Um, but still, at 14, 15, you got yeah. to earn your own first car. That's huge. So, you know, it started like that. But, you know, Inventor didn't start until I was like 19. And, you know, it was very, I always knew I wanted to be entrepreneurial growing up. But, like, it was just so overwhelming. It's like, I don't know how to make a million dollars. I don't know, like, yeah. you know, what route I'm going to take. I don't know sales or stuff like that. So, you know, it's something I knew I wanted. But, uh, you know, the journey took Can I while. ask what, how did you know you wanted entrepreneurship what was it about it that was appealing to you I don't know I think it was just I grew up watching the Steve Jobs uh films and stuff like that and I was obsessed with that so like I had um those kind of mentors uh even though I didn't know them a person like the you know film mentors and um it was just really inspiring I was like that's kind of the life I want to live I have one go at this you know so I might as well just give it my all and try to do something cool. And like, I knew I didn't want to, mm -hmm. you know, just get by and just pay the bills and stuff like that. Like I really wanted to like retire my family and you know have those big ambitions. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. Okay. And so I'm curious, where did you start watching Elon Musk documentaries while you were growing up in Pinkney? <laughs> did you find these yourself? Did your brother, your dad, someone else? I contribute every uh, like introduce them to you. Yes, yeah, so much goes to YouTube. Um, like I learned how to build my whole business, like sales wise, from YouTube and um, all these great CEO interviews. You can just look up on YouTube. So it was just a wealth of knowledge, and I, I think I learned from a young age because when I started programming at twelve, I I learned from YouTube videos, just following it, and then that kind of unlocked something in my brain. Like, oh, I can watch this video and gain this knowledge. So it's like, oh, you know, I can apply it to anything. Mm -hmm. I can kind of learn anything from YouTube and it's free. So what a great resource. Okay. So then around 15, 14, you started to get some first projects work yep. with factories and supporting them with coding. And these you would apply proactively to them, right? Or so it was just kind of um I, I'd get these gigs through my dad. He would help me kind of, you know, okay. it was family friends and stuff like that. So They'd be like, oh, here's this yeah, problem that Steve Austin can Through your it. network. Yeah. You were already networking. <laughs> <laughs> and then at 19, what happened? So that's when I dropped out. So that's, um, you know, I was going to college. You, for... dropped, you dropped out of Michigan Tech. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going for computer engineering. And then I had one internship, you know, kind of working the cubicle job, programming the, the PLCs at the factory and stuff like that and doing the robotic stuff. But yeah, it, it just didn't. You know, it didn't really do it for me. I was like, this is kind of stale, kind of boring. Even though there's great opportunities um, through all that stuff, that's just, it clicked for me. Like, hey, I just, I need to do something else. You know, I need to figure out how to start my own business mm -hmm. and go that route. Mm -hmm. 
And say more. So I know that at the beginning of Inventor.io, you had 2K that you put into the business, yeah. but also when you dropped out, uh, your family basically kicked you <laughs> out and you had to stay on your friend's couch. So tell us more about what was going through your head, more yeah. about this episode at the beginnings of Inventor.io. I think it was a really important part because, um, you know, my parents were pretty upset and I, it makes sense, right? <laughs> well, I was like three years yeah. deep into college or so and <laughs> you know, I only had a little bit of time to graduate, but um, yeah, my mom definitely did it out of love. She's like, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to go and live with people that are also kind of like, you know, on their journey. So it was, it was out of love. Um, and that's where mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, my one friend I knew online and through a Facebook group lived in Florida. So I just slept on his couch and um, we just started tr learning, you know, internet marketing, just nonstop, uh, you know, learning about funnels, learning about the sales stuff, learning ads. Um, so that's when it really, you know, started to click like, hey, this is a way to make money online. Yeah. It sounds also like you were following, you were voraciously improving your talent and skill set outside of the way that it was being taught in classrooms. And was it that the classroom felt very structured in a way that wasn't serving you, something else? Yeah. I, I just, when you, when you say slow. stale, like to me, it just felt slow. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I have to wait six months to learn this basic programming stuff that I already kind of learned on my own on the side. So it's yeah. it kind of felt like, why do I have to go at their pace? Um, and then I also like contemplated going for like a marketing degree. And I'm like, well, you know, the best way is just spend money on ads. This is the best way to kind of get my marketing degree. So um, I went that route. And so you got started. I understand that you were iterating, testing, seeing what was going on. And this is basically your journey to product market fit. I want to talk a little bit about this because I think it's so important. Every founder goes through it. And I'm curious, what was that journey like for you? I know you started with one product that is now not what you're offering. You're offering three products now. So you can tell us more about the details, the journey, what lessons you feel like you learned for the benefit of other entrepreneurs listening. Yeah. So I first started drop shipping. So, you know, it wasn't the most glamorous thing because, you know, $2,000 budget, you, you can't afford, you know, hundred grand of inventory in a fulfillment center at first. So started yeah. that route and I just got lucky around that time that ads were so cheap that you could kind of run an ad for like a decent offer and you'd probably break even or make a little bit of money. So back then it was just a lot easier. So I just found one, one offer, you know, launched it after I studied funnels, I studied the marketing game a lot and, you know, it started breaking even to the point where we could do, I think we did over a hundred grand in sales our first month. Um, so there was a lot of prep and we definitely got pretty lucky. Um, but that kind of gave me proof of concept. Now there was like 1% margins, so we weren't making bank, but I was like, all right, so if I can build my email list, um, for free, that's, that's a huge win. Uh, so that was kind of the first iteration of it. We had a, a very basic kit, but you know, we tried to pair education with it. Um, and it seemed people were just buying for the parts and they wouldn't go through the education and kind of stick with our programs. So that's where it took years to figure out, but you know, we just kept iterating until, um, we kind of found something that people actually use our education and not just the parts, which also allowed us to increase the value of it, sell it for higher because there was a lot more value there. Um, and then inherently run more ads and scale more. Was there a breakthrough point that or story that you can share? Sure. So from the beginning, we were kind of always building a Facebook group. And I think this is really important for every business is kind of build your community, whether it's on Facebook mm -hmm. or your own site or wherever you want your community. Um, and yeah, just talk to your users. That's what we did for the longest amount of time. We just sat and talked to our users, like got on calls with them, like 
you know, very boring stuff that you wouldn't see a lot of our competitors doing, but they literally just kind of gave us the ideas that we just, all we had to do is execute on it. And those ideas worked very well. And they're, you know, making me millions now just because, you know, I listen to the users, put their ideas into practice. They're like, hey, this would be cool. And then we work on it, release it. And yeah, that was, that was kind of the, you know, main breaking point that allowed us to create our product into what it is today, um, allowing us to scale so much more. It sounds like what you were doing was things that don't scale yeah. at the beginning, yeah. talking to all the customers, really understanding their needs yeah. and listening to them, which is so important, so profound and huge, huge tip for entrepreneurs, especially at the early stage to understand what their needs are. How do you build a product that's 10x better than what they have today that they're willing to pay for and will engage with? You keep saying we, at what point did the team grow and where is the business now? So yeah, I brought my co-founder on about a year and a half after I started and he kind of helped me launch this new version of our product that's doing really well. Um, so that was a huge, huge win. Um, but now we're up to about a dozen people between our fulfillment centers, our partners, and then we have a bunch of agencies we work with to do like the video production side of things. So Mm -hmm. um about a dozen people but i i wouldn't be able to do it without them i mean they're they're pretty much yeah. running the business now it's great i want to ask more about the structure of the business today but first maybe give us a run through i know you have three products you have an intro course a 30-day challenge adventure kit to yep. do you want to tell us a little bit about what you offer yeah so that that's pretty much our value ladder for now um we just have like a free just pay mm -hmm. shipping offer which you can get people in the door and it's like a ten dollar offer but we have a whole course that goes with that it's based around hardware programming, so you can learn how to use this little uh, credit card size computer and be able to kind of create your own at-home projects. Or um, There's pretty much infinite use cases for these boards, which is kind of what we try to stress through our storytelling. So then the next thing is the 30-day challenge that you know gives you more parts, gives you the circuits, uh, stuff to work with, the LEDs, the switches. Um, so over 30 days, we challenge you to... Essentially, this, there's a storyline that goes around it where you crash your spaceship and now you have to repair the the ship in order to get back home um so they're doing stuff like fixing the, you know, the lights in the cabin they're you know doing the switches they have a security system um but yeah you learn programming and and circuits the way through it so and then yeah adventure uh, kit 2 is kind of the more advanced one which is like you're defending your home against the ai apocalypse so we're going to that as well that sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> who are the who's your target customer slash and then who who are the folks the that tend to purchase yeah so we mainly built it for kids and for college students but that's not who's buying at all it's uh you know retirees <laughs> actually we have a majority of our uh users are retirees at home that are just you know they want to keep their brain active they want to build things uh they might have done this in the career um or something similar so um that's pretty much majority of our community that's so funny how you think you're building it to teach kids coding and robotics and it turns out that retirees who love engineering are the ones using yeah. it. Yeah. Do you feel like you will continue to tweak the product to target them more or you want to still Certainly. also get? Yeah, okay. so, we, so you're going to. Yeah, we're, we're going to niche out soon. So I'm working on like watchmaking kits, um, like you can like build your own wallet kits and just all these different maker stuff that you can do at home. Uh, just building a project with your yeah. hands for a few hours. You should get one for my husband, please, because he likes making and tinkering. <laughs> so I'll make sure he talks to you yeah. and we can keep him busy. Oh, yeah. That'll be great. <laughs> um, wonderful. Okay, so I wanted to see how with the structure of the business today, so you mentioned about 12-ish people, you all have three product lines, yep. you're considering niching down further. And what are your revenues now? It's just over 5 million a year. 
tremendous. Congratulations. And how is your team run? Like you are as a leader, how are you thinking about the way you run the company? Well, it's always changing uh, and it's especially changed up recently because we were very much an online business earlier this year, but now we're switching to kind of being an in-person business. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. relearning how to lead the company. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been good. We just, you know, do most of our communications over Slack or uh, in the office and uh, yeah, we just have different projects going and people are just focused on their projects. And that's the one thing is I like, I try to, when I'm, running this I, I try to keep everything as simple as possible like if it gets too complex i kind of shut it down and i'm like all right let's redesign this so it's as simple as possible i think that's super important for um scaling keeping it simple where are you going to be located is it florida yeah, yeah. so we'll be by st petersburg and why the switch to in-person is it that you found that being in-person helps with making kits better or creativity or something else? Yeah, I think it, it's a boost to majority of things. Like you just kind of work better when you're in the same room as your marketers and your, you know, if your customer support agents are right there with all the inventory, um, that's mm -hmm. so much better. Like everything just seems to be so much better and productivity is a lot better. I've always grown it as an online business because that's, you know, I'm very introverted. That's you know what I what I like mm -hmm. doing at the beginning. But now it's like, all right, there's so much more to, you know, everybody in the same room and the same office and whatnot. Yeah. And speaking about you being an introvert, I want to talk about you as a founder and a leader and growing into this role as, as can I say first time founder yep. or do your other yeah, projects? Pretty count? accurate. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Right. right. And I'm so curious, what do you feel has stretched you the most in the journey that yeah. you've taken? And Well, I never wanted to be the CEO. I never wanted to be the founder. I always kind of wanted to be the second or third uh, person in command because that's just where I felt comfortable. But I, I knew mm. once this opportunity kind of started happening that it was like my responsibility um, to get up and serve and uh, to, to lead the team. So um, it's been a journey. It's been tough. It's definitely not the role I expected to be in. I was expected to be like the, the vice president or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's this one saying I heard that like, once the mind expands, it's super hard for it to go back to the way it was beforehand. So like, once you start seeing what's possible and then you start seeing like how you affected somebody's life and, um, how you taught like a kid programming for the first time, his face is all lit up. He's like, this is so cool. Like, you know, it's hard to not, you know, want to scale this as hard as possible. What do you feel these days right now? You're transitioning to in-person. You are relearning, managing folks. What do you feel like these days you are working on personally as a founder in your growth? Um, I'm doing a lot of education versus uh, building, which I'm, I'm very blessed to have the team that I have that they're doing a majority of the building. Um, and I can spend a lot of time, you know, learning new processes, going to conventions and stuff like that, learning new marketing stuff. And, um, yeah, that's pretty, that sounds pretty accurate. So as a founder, it's such an interesting job because it seems every three or six months, your role evolves with yeah. the company growing and scaling and you're constantly learning and growing for what the company will be in the future so you can support the team for what they can be in the future. So it's very normal. I would say it's funny. I think the main job of a founder is to learn well and mm -hmm. to hire well uh, yeah. because you're just, oh, yeah. you're just constantly evolving. So it sounds like you're in that process. So more power to you. Let's transition to your personal life outside of being a founder or just like more holistic 
you're more, more holistically. I'm curious, how do you design your life today? Meaning work, personal finances, play, health, relationships, things like that. How, how yeah. do you think about what's important to you? So I'd like to be more disciplined. I always try to, you know, schedule out my days, but I always fall off on the schedule. So <laughs> I've, I've tried really hard to get on a schedule, but it, you know, it doesn't really work for me. But I, I do, you know, for sure, I, I work out every day. Um, that's been one huge change in the last year that really helped me scale my business even further. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of taking discipline over my health. I've always been a couch potato, always been the skinny kid. So um, this last year has been great for that. So um, I've been really into like biohacking, uh, the, the very novice version of biohacking. But um, so I, I try to do red light therapy. I got the cold plunge on the way. I have a sauna that, you know, sauna has been amazing for that. Um, but yeah, it's really just between I, I spend a little bit of time on the hobbies. I spend a bit of time on health every day. And then mm -hmm. the rest is education or, or executing on, on building. And then I, I, I try to schedule things, but my schedule always falls off. Yeah. Why do you feel like it falls off? Um, I want to say it's because I lack discipline to keep it, but then also like I really don't lack discipline. So it's like it's a weird, um, I don't know. I just always feel guilty when I miss something by a few minutes um, that's like, oh, now I should be eating at this time. And it's like I miss it by a few minutes. So I, I feel like I just don't want that extra guilt. I'm like, yeah. I'll eat, you know, around this time every day. And that, that right. kind of helps me go a little bit more. Yeah, it's interesting, depending on the personality, like what you just described can be a thing where it's like, if you're not hitting 100% of your goals, they become more frustrating yeah. to you than serving to you. And so just working on that. Uh, I think what I'll offer is we are human, we are not robots, per se. And so we're not 100% perfect. We work within some margin of humanity. And uh, if, if, it's, if it's useful at all, it's more about how can you think of what are the, what's the level of training that I fall to, mm -hmm. meaning I, I intend to eat at this time, usually of day. Mm -hmm. I intend to work out this many times a week slash at this time. And I do these other biohacking things that work for me, like sauna or cold plunge or whatever. I spend time with friends generally. And if you hit that 80% of the time, you're doing wonderful. And it's great to have those serve you in that way. But if you don't hit it 100% of the time, it feels like you're just human and normal. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> of course. And then I want to end with, Austin, what does success mean to you these days? It's always evolving for folks. So it's always wonderful to hear what their current definition is. Yeah, for me, it's being able to spend time with my family and friends um, and, you know, kind of be able to serve a lot of people um and it, i mean it doesn't have to be a lot of people but you know be able to serve people and then be able to spend time with my friends and family um the financial side like as long as you know i'm paying the bills i don't i don't care um you know it's great to keep scaling that it just means i serve more people but yeah it's just the ability to serve would be success mm. and with that beautiful note it was so great to have you and thank get you. to know you better austin thank you so so much for coming and i'm looking forward to staying in touch and seeing you continue to serve thank and you. and grow appreciate you thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe and if you like what you hear leave a review and share